G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. These days, you've only got to look around in church life and for many churches, there's a sea of grey heads and a lack of those children and teenagers who are coming up through the ranks. In fact, so many churches are facing some real challenges when it comes to their sustainability because of a lack of young people. And there might be all sorts of reasons why young people are leaving the church. What if we were to contrast young people with what the older generation thinks about why young people may not be in church? Well, a wonderful opportunity today once again to talk with Dr. John Potter. And I might say right from the outset that Dr. John Potter is 85 years of age and has worked in education and academia and theology uh, for decade upon decade upon decade and takes an active interest in the changes that he's been able to observe in church life through the last number of generations. Dr. John Potter is Executive Chairman and Director for International Projects for the Paraclete Institute. And that's an educational institute for people who are in their retirement years. He's got some good thoughts about young people. Dr. John Potter, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. John, I would ordinarily be saying, why aren't we talking to some young people about why young people might be leaving the church? To be talking to someone who's 85, and I know listeners will be impressed with your thoughts on this, but what are your impressions about young people in Australia and why they might be leaving the church, some would say in droves? Yes, well, unfortunately, that that is the news that's coming to us from the United States, as well as we see the same trend in in Australia. Young young late teens and early twenties uh, uh, become disinterested in church life and interested in other things, which I might talk about in a minute. And my opinions don't come from my my own uh, ruminations. They, I do talk to a lot of lot of young people in that age because, as an educationist tertiary, in a ter- in tertiary world, I've walked with hundreds, well, if not thousands, of young people. Uh, as they as they go through that stage of their life, it comes back. Uh, my position uh, on this is that it comes back to educational psychology and to understand that God has actually ordained a a program of of education or and training for humans, which uh, unfortunately uh, we seem to have uh, let slip away. Uh, very few people that I talk to really ha- have uh, first hand knowledge of these of these issues, but. From from there are three there are three periods in a human's life. The first is the first thirty years. The first thirty years is a, is a training and development stage. That's evidenced by um, one Chronicles twenty three three, which says the Levites are numbered from thirty years upwards, and it's certainly evidenced in the life of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Master, who who made the rules and, and knows how to stick to them. He started his ministry at thirty. It was a very important reason for that. Uh, he was saying, this is the year that your ministry starts. But the first 30 years, there are stages of development which are very well defined. Um, 
I won't spend too much on time on the on the first five years, but certainly the first twelve months, what a baby does is just sit there, and is rece- and the senses are receiving all this information from around them, and the, and the soul which reads the cortex of the brain. You see that I'm not I'm not a I'm not a secular humanist, and and um, I I believe that we have a soul, and that soul reads the cortex of the brain where the information collects, but it takes twelve months. For the child to be able to say, "Ah, that's that's that," or "That's I saw that before," so that they just sit there, in between screaming for food or whatever they they need. Then we have we have four years of of uh, social disciplines in the home and and language development. But by by the age of six, uh, about the time they get their second teeth, we we understand from Piaget's work that they enter into a time uh, when they are focused on what we call concrete operations. Now that that stage of life is um, you've see they've learned what things are they've rec- they can recognise it but now they start to think about those things more more particularly it's what Sir Augustine called the anima takes over that which the first level of thought the Cologne School of Psychology call it they start to think about what am I seeing and they start collecting things in practice. I don't know about you, but I collected spiders when I was a boy. I had a shed full of bottles of spiders. Right. Most people collect things because they're 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 classifying things. They're, they're seeing differences, and they're looking at, they're looking more particularly at what they're seeing rather than just getting information. Now, when when they hit twelve, something quite dramatic happens psychologically, and the whole focus shifts uh, to the to what Augustine called the intellectus. We're now we're dealing with now we're dealing with judgment. Uh, we, we can see all this stuff, but is it any good? Is it worthwhile? Is it valuable? Is it beautiful? We we enter into that stage, and more particularly, the first thing we have to work out is: Am I beautiful? Am I worthwhile? And so the the teenagers need to go through that stage. The um, the important thing for them, of course, is is to have an encounter with God in the, in that in that early teenage group. That that's God's intention that every child should know Him. From the about the age of fourteen or fifteen, and that once they once he touches them and they know him, that that ends the debate about whether I'm worthwhile. So that that that's what we call f- uh, formal operations, where they're actually thinking about the value and judging the things that they're seeing. So if we're getting a, a little bit of a context here, and just to remind listeners, we're hearing from an eighty-five-year-old reflecting on the educational psychology that's going on in a young person's mind into those teenage years. Some of us might look at young people and say there are so many more distractions now. And John, you might be able to reflect on your own life over 85 years of the way things perhaps were a little different when you were a teenager, but young people today have so many things to distract them, so many things to give that other uh that other context that's taking them away from the spirituality that we might recognise as a good thing. What are your thoughts for how these distractions might be affecting young people? Well, the, the distractions, are, the, the enemy is clever. Uh, he knows that he, he can distract people from coming to a settled view on their, on their worthwhileness, that he will, he will, he will have them uh, uh, going around the world looking for that, that sense of worth. For the rest of their life, until they find it, most many people do not find it. The thing is, the Lord has arranged that within us we develop questions at the age of about twelve or thirteen, and we have to have answers to those questions. If we don't get the answers, then uh, we will never be settled. Now, Vygotsky, a Russian psychologist, said, "If anybody knew the questions, it would be a miracle." 
So the problem is we've got these questions in us, but we don't actually, we can't actually verbalise them. We can't actually focus them. The only purpose person who actually knew what the questions were were Jesus. And he, he, at age of 12, went up to the temple. He knew what the questions were. He asked the, the rabbis, and he even answered some questions. Uh, and, and, and then he said, I must get on about my father's business. He, at 12, he's showing us that that's a very important stage for every human being to, to get the questions. Now, I've discovered a very important thing. All the questions and all the answers are in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And what I found very helpful is, is for a, a loving parent or grandparent to take a child of, the, of that early teenage years through those chapters uh, as a one-on-one-on one on, uh, person sharing with with one individual, not in a group, but individually. And if that that uh, I know when I taught my my daughter, I had three sons, and then we had uh, twelve years later uh, a lovely daughter, and uh, what the South Africans call a late lamb. And I had the privilege of homeschooling her in South Africa. And after I'd taught, taught her the, the what I call the patriarchs, Genesis 1 to 11, she stood up in our home group and said, I've been studying the patriarchs with Dad. Now I see everything differently. I know who I am. I know who where I'm going and where I've come from. And, and she's just been so fantastic. And a, and a week later, the Lord met her at a campsite and she spent two hours on the floor just lost in God. So that's what I see for everybody. Can we glean from hearing those thoughts that when you are exposed to those first 11 chapters in Genesis and the questions that we can't articulate get answered, that those things that are happening in the first opening chapters of Genesis may be shaping our identity in a different way to what young people are exposed to and perhaps the distractions are shaping identity in an alternative way? Absolutely. That, that's the problem. So... We've got uh, people wandering, wandering the earth, looking for looking looking for the, for the questions before they, before they can find the answers, and and finding neither. And and sadly, there's many many of them are just lost lost and moving into drugs and alternate forms of sexuality. Very sad. So, John, if we're talking about solutions, whether we're talking to grandparents or parents, we might be talking to educators, uh, people who are around this crucial time in the life of a young person. So we're talking about these teenage years up into those mid-teens, and you're identifying that, as I've heard this identified before, as a very critical time. Uh, So not only the things that our children are learning, not only the relational activity that goes on within the family, uh, but also in their social constructs, who their friends are, how they're actually relating into a society and feeling that sense of security. All of these things are going to be important in this critical age group. Absolutely. I think I think it's very important for young people to belong to a good Christian youth fellowship at that age where they have that have positive support rather, rather than be out in a community where they're having to face questions which they can't answer and are not helpful for their development. If I could go on to the next phase, that's where we're talking about these people who are leaving the church, because the next phase, 17 to 26, is the most crucial phase in development of all, in that a person who now has settled about their own identity and has, a, and, and has been touched by the Holy Spirit and is aware of God's presence in their life, now sets out on an adventure Fantastic adventure where they explore their uh, their capacity and their 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 ability to do things. So to to use Augustine's phrase, now the now the ratio the, the rational the rational skills come into uh, thinking about things 
and and then the men's the the spring of action. Uh, so young people between the age of seventeen and twenty six are, are incredibly potentially active, and all the great scientists in history have produced their theories at that age. Uh, so, so Isaac Newton presented himself to Cavendish when he was twenty two years of age with the laws of motion and his ideas on gravity. Um, uh, Einstein developed his theories of relativity and, and quantum mechanics at that age. No, nobody, nobody produces major theories above the age of 30. They're all done by the 18 to 26-year-olds. So what, what it gets back to, if you're in that age, you need to be encouraged to do those things. And that's what I do as an educator. So my garden boy in Malawi is now the deputy director of lands in Malawi. My my uh, one of the, several other boys that I met there are now got senior positions in the country when they were in total poverty and had no education when I went there. It's the same in Australia. It's been my joy to see lots of young people that age encouraged, and I'm still encouraged encouraging people. My young grandson at up up the road at uh, Beerborough decided at 14 he wanted to be a film director and now he's he's still at school but he's got his own business and he's making films with um, uh, professional people. So my point is the, the reason that young people are leaving the church is the church does not cater to that need. They go to church and what do they what do they get? All that all those people need is they do they do need to go to church. They want to go to church. They're getting the theology from YouTube. But they but they need to go to church to spend an hour or two in the presence of God and, and in worship and just just re, getting refreshed for the for the day ahead. But but their real focus is what their their development and their and their capacity to do things and to achieve things in their life. And we need to focus on that with them. And there is a sense here and a bit of a takeaway from today's conversation. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're an older person looking to younger people and saying, uh, well, perhaps there's a generation gap. What could I do? Are they open to listen to me? The sort of encouragement that comes from those who are in their early teenage years, and I can hear you say right through till 27 plus, uh, say 30, that these young people need to have the sort of encouragement that enables them to think critically about the world and to be able to uh, excel in ways that they can be creative. And if they're creative in the sense of what God has called us to, his purposes, then we're going to be seeing a major turnaround. You summarised it fantastically well, Neil. That's exactly what we need to do. And that's what the Paraclete Institute's about. We're there to mentor young people with encouragement, not not directing them because they're quite capable of managing their own lives, but they need someone saying, yes, it's, you're going in the right direction. Fantastic. You're doing a great job. And they are doing a great job if they've got that released, they, they, they're not looking for somewhere else to direct them. They, they know that they've got within themselves the capacity to do what, what they need because they've, they've met God and they know that God's walking with them. And I've been amazed how God will, will bless them by opening up opportunities. That's fantastic to watch that. But it's got nothing to do with ministering in the, in the Christian sense. It's got nothing to do with, uh, at this stage, um, in, in, uh, ministering to, to a family Although at that age, uh, many people do get married, but uh, if they're wise, they would still, up to the age of 30, still keep themselves in close contact with the parental households because it's only at 30 that God will start taking, expect them to take responsibility 
because at 30, they begin to minister to the next generation in these in these growth stages which God has ordained that we should walk in them. Well, what amazing insight today, just getting a context of what's happening by way of educational psychology and the way that young people develop through their earliest years, through childhood, into their teenage years, into their early 20s and on to adulthood, and the responsibility that we all might have when we're beyond 30 as to how we might nurture that younger generation. And if you're looking for reasons why young people might not be in church, there might be some adjustments to make in church life. Uh, Wonderful insights from academic Dr. John Potter, who I did mention is 85 years of age. And uh, what a tremendous insight that is today. John is ex-executive chairman and director for international projects for the Paraclete Institute. There is a website, johnpotterpublish.com. You'll be able to see that John has written numerous books and there are numerous articles available for download. Some of those, no doubt, on this subject. JohnPotterPublish.com. John, thanks for being with us once again today on 2020. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.